For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then you just end up getting closer to the deadline and you kind of half-ass it where you're like, okay, just throw something together. Perfect. It'll give me like the letter. Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Yellowstone Dutton Rules podcast here with my co-host, Mr. Billy Dukes. Hey, Billy. You have your smelly cat voice. <laughs> hey, don't call me out like that. Yeah, y'all, If uh, it is Addison Hager actually speaking. If I sound a little raspier, um, we've got a little head cold going on. So if I look and sound under the weather, well, by golly, I am. So we're just going to roll with it and we're here and that's all that matters. <laughs> Last podcast, we kind of left off not knowing how many episodes of Bass Reeves were remaining. And as it turns out, there was just two. And ta-da, Bass Reeves finale aired on Sunday. Billy, can I be honest? I'm I'm sorry to all my Bass Reeves lovers out here. I'm glad it's over. Ugh, sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> so... I think Bass Reeves, you have to say it was really affected by the writers and screen actors totally. guilt strike. Yes. And I'm going to point to kind of some evidence of that as we sort of go along here. But first, let's kind of recap episodes seven and episodes eight. Yes. Um, and episode seven was really pretty short. It was just 30 minutes long, which I think is probably the first indication that maybe that something happened that shortened production of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really move the plot forward all that much. It was a little bit of a, a sidebar to where Bass kills a man and almost gets tried and um, committed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up being innocent. And then at the very end, he says he's, he's going after Mr. Sundown. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like truly even when they arrest Moody O'Neill uh, and then she ends up escaping because Billy Crow's cook sets Moody free. That to me, I mean, it was an interesting, I mean, it was interesting, but to your point, I i mean, that's literally one of those don't worry about it scenes because we literally never touched back on it, you know? I guess it showed a little bit how Bass was cracking up with yeah. Mr. Sundown on his mind. You know, it kind yeah. of spoke to that. And that was kind of a general theme. But, you know, even still, the Sundown sort of myth wasn't so present throughout this series that I was just dying for it to come to a conclusion. Although I will say it came to a conclusion in a kind of interesting way. I thought episode eight was fairly interesting. And that was essentially his manhunt. We knew Mr. Sundown was Esau Pierce played Mm -hmm. by Barry Pepper and Bass hooks up with Billy Crow and Cheryl, Dennis Quaid's character. Mm -hmm. Um, What'd you make of him, by the way, Cheryl Lynn? Like what was your opinion on his character in the end? Me. Like, I don't think that he really played. I think I went into Bass Reeves thinking, Oh, Cheryl Lynn will be pretty prevalent. And I mean, or pretty pre, well, I guess both prevalent and present through, the season and he only shows up here and there. And I feel like we, I don't know. He just kind of seems Cheryl just seems meh to me that, I mean, that's just how I felt. He was sort of a hateable good guy. Like, and I was happy that in the end he didn't ever like redeem himself. Like he was (laughs) racist from start to finish and he never really let up on that. Like Uh he ends up kind of doing a salad to Billy Crow, 
but like it wasn't like he was like, oh, I see the way now and mm -hmm. I'm going to change my ways. And I appreciated that because that would have been a little bit a little corny, I think, had he done that. Yeah, I don't think he like in my eyes, he didn't come. It, it's not how I felt like with Mr. Sundown, but also I didn't leave going, oh, I feel rectified. Like, oh, like beautiful example. Billy Crow. In the beginning, you're like, what the heck? You know, he's essentially a bad guy. In the end, I end up liking him, you know? Yeah. So what I thought was the most interesting twist was, you know, all along we thought Mr. Sundown was kidnapping these black criminals, yeah. these black men, and killing them. We mm -hmm. thought they were getting killed. Um, mm -hmm. And when Bass shows up at Esau Pierce's his mansion or his plantation sort of built in, in episode five, as he tells us it's built on dinosaur bones Yes, and he's not, it's not far off. No. Well, first off, I was a little confused with the whole dinosaur bones. I mean, I'm no archeologist, but I was just thinking of timeline. I literally Billy, I was like, Oh my gosh, we're stepping into Jurassic park. Like this is, this is Jurassic park 2.0. That was really interesting to me though. Like yeah. how they like, you know, they made that real. Like his castle did have a history of uh, a, an archaeologist's dig. Someone was looking for gold and they ended up discovering all these dinosaur bones. And I mean, it wasn't built with dinosaur bones. That wasn't like the structure of the house, but there's a huge, massive dinosaur right in the, the foyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and even when Bass was approaching, uh, his place you you saw like the dinosaur tracks i literally in my notes put dino tracks question mark yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh wait what where are we headed i'm, I'm confused land before time meets bass reeves <laughs> his house though looked pretty modern didn't it like i wasn't really convinced that that was like an old-timey house like i even thought i saw a light switch in one scene <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. Mm. I just, that was, it just started to be a lot in that scene. So I think my brain just accepted. I was like, I, I think we just need to just, yeah, just full sin, just, just embrace. But before we get to, I think it was before that scene, um, we get to when Jenny comes back, they're coming back after church. And am I thinking of, this is episode eight, right? Yeah. Where Jenny was coming back from church and the old slave master's wife was on the front porch, right? That's right. Yeah, that was episode, was the end of episode eight. Uh, that was the end of episode eight. Um, she shows up on the front porch. Mm -hmm. And this was a scene that you're referring to. That, um, can we pin it for a second? Because I have some thoughts on Jenny. Okay, yeah. That's, um, well, and I want to pivot because I feel like the bigger, like we end with Mr. Sundown. So that's why I was kind of going to Jenny. So yeah, let's pivot. Let's pivot to Jenny. Um, all right, we're going to Jenny. All right. so. I thought from start to finish, mm -hmm. Jenny, played by Lauren E. Banks, was probably the best character. She was the most interesting. She was strong. She was captivating yes. on screen. I know mm -hmm. David Oyelowo got nominated for the Golden Globe, but I really thought that um, her name was Lauren E. Banks. I thought maybe she deserved it as, as well because mm -hmm. she was an interesting character, great acting, but I felt like we never really got a full feel for her story arc. Like It was kind yeah. of developed... But there was even like a scene, and if you remember in the trailer for Bass, Lom and Bass Reeves, there was a scene where she's standing on the front porch and she's got a gun pointed at men in white hoods who are pointing their guns back at her and they have some tense conversation. We never saw that scene. That never materialized. And did you read, I was reading up on it actually before we got on this podcast and I wasn't necessarily satisfied with the answer that they had, yeah, that they had filmed it and then ended up cutting because they wanted to do more 
so flashbacks with bass let me see if i can actually find that um but as i'm as i'm looking for that that's I interesting think what well let me well, i can't do two things at once apparently but let me let me finish right, my thought for real that quick. well no, no right, let me ahead. let me finish my thought real quick i think what jenny had and bass lacked was jenny's plot line like we've said i've had the hardest time with this series because I have a hard time. Number one, we moved so fast. It was really hard to just get emotionally hooked with a character. But I think what they did a really good job with Ginny is that I saw different layers to her. To your point, I would love, I think I'll, like a whole like sub series of just her story would be super cool. But I think she had enough of layers of an onion where you saw this, like at the, we've talked about her and childbirth and seeing that and how strong she was and just kind of, the emotional tension she had with running the homestead while her husband was gone and missing her husband and yada, yada, yada. I saw so many layers to her that I ended up just – I felt like I could just really get on board with the character. And so therefore, I like – I really enjoyed her where I just had a harder right. time with Bass getting to that degree. Um, yeah. Well, to kind of, I mean, maybe even to expand on that a little bit because that's a good point. Jenny, she interacted with – a much wider variety of people, mm-hmm. be it her um, longtime friend Esme and Edwin, uh, some of the townsfolk, her her children. Um, we saw a lot of different types of experiences from her. Whereas Bass, it was just family and criminal. Like is it was more of a flat plot line, kind of in, until the end. Um, so we did see a little bit. She was put in some situations that drew a little bit more of her character out. Here's the um, direct quote from the showrunner Chad uh, Feehan mm-hmm. that told TV Line uh, why they cut that the KKK scene. Uh, they uh, Chad says it was a moment that we shot that actually worked quite well, um, but. So the appearance was related to Sally's experience at the town carnival, and that scene was intended for the finale. But inevitably, we decided that having Ginny and Bass both be revisited by Ghosts of Christmas Past, to use a very timely analogy, was more of an impactful and more of a mirrored image experience for the two of them. I don't know what they're referring to. So they're referring to Jenny. Her ghost would be the, um, the slave master wife. Oh, and I see. And Bass's ghost would be Mr. Sundown or Esau Pierce. Instead uh, of adding the... I think they could have added all of it and it would have been fine. But, I mean, look, we had... Episode 7 was 30 minutes. Like, I don't know. I think right. it... I think we could have and added And episode it. 7 included um, the, the flaming scarecrow. Correct. Which uh, the young young man who um, Sally encounters mm-hmm. at the carnival, he seems to be responsible for that. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that was the beginning of something and that Same. really kind of truncated that plot line. Like we never saw anything more. Same. I thought we'd see more from Arthur and he never materialized again. Uh, he just sort of moved on. Um, yeah. I do have one I little of- kind of interesting piece of trivia for you. Oh. Well, I did think I thought of you when I, at the very at episode eight, I literally was like, this is one of Billy's don't worry about it moments. I'm like, Arthur, ne- what happened to you? Like, did right. you live? Did you die? Did you, there's no room. Like, I was kind of bummed. I really enjoyed. I mean, we've talked about that. I enjoyed watching their relationship. And so it was a little bit of a bummer that that never became anything. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To end episode seven, Sally writes out a poem, our song lyrics, for something called Unholy War. And then throughout episode eight, it kind of returns to it. And I think eventually she gets a chance to sing it. Maybe at the, maybe it's even at the end of episode eight. Um, and it's on Holy War. It goes, my demons are coming. Boy, you better run. Go take your freedom. Oh, no. Wait in the water. Be gone by morning. Don't let them find you here. Oh, no. Let love lead you home. Oh, no. So you better run. You better run. And it kind of goes on from there. That's a real song. That's a song oh, from really? 2017 by an artist named Jacob Banks. He's a Nigerian Damn. artist. I think he's... Uh, kind of pop, hip hop, and gospel influenced. Maybe not gospel. I might have misread that. What's his name? But it's called Unholy yeah. War. Jacob Jacob Banks is his name. Jacob and, Banks. And the reason I thought to look that up is at the very end of the episode, like they play like a recorded modern version of that song that she had written. I thought, oh, that's cool. Did they actually write this song for? No, no, no. They took the song and, and put it into the movie. Cool. Uh, I thought that. I thought it was neat. Although it kind of speaks to a little bit of an issue I, I had with Bass Reeves, the, this idea of what's real and factual, oh. and what's not. I see what you're saying. Um, and I'll get to that more in a, in a second here. But um, yeah, I, I guess I just would have liked to have seen more from Jenny. Uh, they could have done this in two seasons, like. Make the first, the action in one through four part of one season and, and, and yeah. build it out a little bit more. And yeah. then season two is this battle with Esau Pierce. Yeah, because this is, I mean, they don't plan on doing another season, right? Like this was it. As far as I or know. I guess we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard. Um, and Jacob Banks, I, just because I was curious, he is singer-songwriter, a soul and R&B. And the song has been used in a number of different video games and movies, I guess. Oh, uh, really? I didn't recognize it, but I mean, I'm just kind of quoting Wikipedia here. This isn't like I went <laughs> a deep dive into Jacob Banks's life and career. <laughs> I, I do want to pivot back to Mr. Sundown, though, if we, if yeah. we can. Um, I definitely feel like we ended episode eight and I was satisfied. Essentially, Mr. Sundown is killed by Bass Reeves. Um, and I, I like, I, I think if we had ended the episode and we had, and like there wasn't a season two and it didn't result in him being killed, I think I would have been bummed. Like we, I needed some type of resolution sure. for one of these situations. So how it works is Bass gains entrance to um, Esau Pierce's property. Jurassic Park. And as, yeah. And as he's being led to, that's a good name for it. As he's being led to the house, he realizes that Mr. Sundown hasn't been killing all these black men. Mm-hmm. He's been kidnapping them and enslaving them and using them to kind of help build what he hopes will become the world's biggest uh, cattle ranch. Mm-hmm. And kind of wines and dines Bass. He pays him back the money he th- Bass thinks he owes him. He feeds him a steak. He shows him the property. And then essentially he says, okay, Bass, you know, put the cuffs on because I'm kidnapping you too. Which was a little bit, I don't know, that was an awkward moment. But Billy Crow comes to the rescue with the shot. And then chaos ensues. There's a gunfight, mm-hmm. a chase, and things kind of get out of control from there. Um, 
what I thought was interesting was he essentially admits that what he's doing, you know, he's no, he's not killing these men or I guess and women, but he's making them slaves and enduring agony. And he kind of admits, he's like, yeah, I know it's evil. I know it's sinister, but mm, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. Just that, that, doing it. Was it there, was there any more. women? Was it all men or was there any women on his property? I don't, I don't know about the, I, I didn't see any women, but then I, why I was saying that is because I was thinking of Moody O'Neill. And then I was like, well, if, in theory, if they had ever like right. captured anyone else, like I just assumed like it could go either way. A number of people are killed in sort of the shootout, including Cheryl Lynn, who dies after um, getting caught in a beer, mm-hmm. a bear trap. Oh, that seems. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bear trap scenes are always tough. Yeah, I didn't know what that was at first because I was though I was watching it during the day, and so the way it got like really dark on my computer screen, and so I could just hear it at first, and then I was like reverse, reverse, because then obviously Cheryl Lynn is on the ground, so I was like, oh, how did I reverse this thing? And I went, I like shut the blind so I could see, and the sun wasn't shining on the screen, and I was like, oh, I did not. I, the sound was enough. I did not actually need to see that again. Yeah. Gruesome. Did you notice any similarities between the way that Bass kills Esau Pierce okay. and the way that John Dutton killed Malcolm Beck? <laughs> no. Think That's about it. Not, my brain wasn't there, but I'm going there now. Okay. I mean. Both kind of out in a field. They're alone. There's a wounding and a short conversation first and then sort of a fulfillment of duty but i feel like those types of scene or like those moments in in series like this it's like always how it happens it's like the protagonist antagonist are like isolated and so you kind of get this moment of just like soul focus on the situation instead of like mass chaos oh Esau Pierce gets shot in the mass chaos and it's like your brain can't really like have that like full fulfillment. I don't know. That's just where my brain goes with it. Like, I don't know if it was, if that's like a historical moment or if that was shot intentional for the more emotional provoking. I felt that Mr. Sundown needed an epic death and I did not think that his death was epic. Like that scene, I, I, it was just kind is of it factual. Oh, we got him. No, that's Tag, because <laughs> no, no, because that I don't think Esau Pierce or Mr. Sundown is a real character. Oh, like I think this whole previous the whole episode. sequence is yeah. kind of created for this show, which is kind of what I struggle with. Like we have this sequence where Bass killed a man and was was put on trial yeah. and maybe went to is that real? I'm not certain. And, and this you whole know, demon where he he's kind of chasing Mr. Sundown, like you know, there's I just the what's real and what isn't. And even the way it ends with kind of like a happily ever after tone bass comes home and he's like, I'm home for good. And he's spinning his wife and kids around. It's like, that's not true. He went and did that for another 30 damn years. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I think that to your point, that was kind of the moment of them just having to 
Yeah. It, it, what am I trying to say? It almost feels like a school project that you have months to work on. And then for whatever reason, things come up and you have this grand yeah. plan of it's going to be epic. And then you just end up getting closer to the deadline and you kind of half-ass it where you're like, okay, just throw something together. Perfect. It'll get me like the letter yes. grade and I'll be good to go. Yeah. That's a little bit how <laughs> this feels at the end where it's like, all right, like we just had to tie a bow on it. Okay, great. Happy. He smiles for the first time, I think, like ever. Also, wow, yeah. I'm winded talking about that. <laughs> real passionate. My body can't take it. <laughs> Calm <laughs> down. So Gosh, Captain yeah. COVID. That's it. <laughs> hey, no. Oh, I was going to say something, though, that had to do something like that with that. And now I don't remember because I got way too on the tangent. I'm looking at my notes. Um, oh, 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 oh. What I think they m- should have done is at the beginning, honestly, maybe of every episode, what they – gosh, I need to come down a little bit. Uh, what they needed to do was, since it wasn't completely factual, you know on some movies where – and I'm trying to think of a specific movie and I can't – where it'll say inspired by true events. Yes. Like, I think it might have – it should have said that because it. you and I are deep diving, but I'm going to be honest. If I was just – if I did my initial research and read what this series was based on and then I just went from there, like, I didn't do any research after each episode, I, I might have just assumed, like, yeah, it, it's all factual. You know, like, it, I, I think maybe giving a little bit of disclaimer of, hey, nothing – not all of this is by the book. It presents at times like a serial series. Where like you can dive in, watch an episode and jump out and, and kind of get the feel for and enjoy it and feel what's going on. Like certain episodes yeah. weren't connected. But then yeah. there's this overrunning arc and the importance of who this character was that is impossible to sort of push out of your purview as you're as you're watching. Um you know, I would watch like a Bass Reeves type show that was like um a serial, you know, a, a serial yes. series where each episode I would watch that, like every an adventure is yeah. about almost like a like a monk, which is a really bad comparison because oh, that's kind I of a comedic l- investigation. I know, I but you know what I mean. Like you kind of <laughs> jump in, you jump out. Yeah, I would watch that with Bass Reeves. That would be, that would be pretty interesting. So the question for you is, who was your favorite character from the series? I think we potentially might have the same one. Bass's wife. Yeah, that was going to be mine too. Yeah. She's the most she dynamic. She's the most interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought Donald Sutherland's Judge Parker was very good. Yeah, I um, agree. We just and I can see much. why David Oyelowo, I've never figured out how to o- say it. Oilo- Oil- oh, shoot, we did. Oi- okay, just. Oyelowo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I understand why he got a Golden Globes nomination because his acting yeah. was very good. Um, no doubt about it. I just object to his character a little bit. The only thing that really bugged me, and it's nothing to him. Well, it might be actually everything to him. but uh, And I just would more so want to hear the real person's voice. His voice sounded too fake when he was trying to do this. It just sounded like we were doing this. It was a little much where I was like, I think we could have lessened up a little. I, like I started laughing a little bit on the last episode and I was like, Addison, don't, why are we bad at it? Like we should not be laughing, yeah, but it, there was moments where I was like, this thing. feels so forced. <laughs> I want to challenge you on, on something. And, and I don't know if I have the answer to this. Okay. We're both. What's the best way to ask this question? <laughs> I don't 
don't know what you're about to ask me. Does our experience sort of taint our opinion of this show? And what I mean by that is like if someone had some native ancestry or um, African-American ancestry or just even a little deeper appreciation of what slavery felt like and true discrimination felt like. I mean, we're two middle class white kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. To what extent is our upbringing limiting, missing the point of this show? And I do kind of wonder about that. Like, maybe we're not the ones who should love the show. No, I mean, that's a great, I mean, I don't have an answer for that because I don't, I mean. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, that would be a a question to bring someone else in and ask their perspective. Uh, But no, I mean, that's a good, good point. One last piece of trivia. Mm-hmm. on this um i know you're not a marvel series fan no right? but i know what you're gonna tell me because oh, i wrote yeah, it down okay, as what, well oh yeah okay I good should... rob morgan is the actor who mm-hmm. played ramsey mm-hmm. and he played turk from like the daredevil movies he's the guy that mm-hmm. daredevil beats up all the time and i guess he's considered one of like the 25 best actors in the world like a phenomenal oh. actor and i can oh. certainly see why he was very good in that small role but uh i thought that was cool yeah I, I'm I'm proud that I knew that random fact. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed as well. You usually don't do that Thank sort of IMDb. And- <laughs> well, I really felt like I had to specifically with this. I had to come to the table with a little bit more since I feel like Bass Reeves has been a little bit more your bread and butter where I haven't had as much commentary, not because I don't care, just because it's been a little harder for me to get invested in. So I knew I was like, I got to come. I got to come with some some appetizers for this party. It's appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Remind me what this last trivia was our last episode. It's been a hot minute. My brain's all over yeah. the place with the holidays, so please remind well, me. It has been a couple of weeks. Um, we are going to um, pause on the podcast here for mm-hmm. several weeks. Uh, and we'll, we'll in a second, we'll talk a little bit more about the video version of this podcast as well. But we did ask a trivia question last week. We're not going to have a new one this week because we're not sure when we'll get kind of get back to new episodes but the Very question had to do with um the yellowstone season two finale mm-hmm. uh, where john dutton at the very beginning is um alongside of his father who uh, is dying up in the hilltop and his father is played by dabney coleman a really well-known mm-hmm. actor which country star did dabney coleman appear in in a very famous movie with yeah i, I didn't know what it who is it you did know Oh, crud. You Oh, you were all geeked up about knowing. Shoot. Ah, dad gum. Yeah, you know. Ah, dang it. You're right. <laughs> I'll give you oh, a clue. Oh, man, Billy, I was so excited, and now I don't remember. Oh, can you give me a hint? You want a hint? Shoot. Um, yeah. Oh, I was so excited. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of a hint that doesn't give it away altogether. Um. Well, hell, oh, working nine to five. Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Can I? Can I say the answer? Yes. 
It was Dolly Parton. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, because I immediately knew. Yes, that's what it was. I was so excited because I had recently – I've seen that movie many times, but I recently watched that and then – is it First Wives Club? Yeah, First Wives Club. They have no relation to each other, but similar similar vibes. <laughs> Dabney played the boss, like the manager. Yeah. Who yeah. Dolly famously says, "I'm going to turn you from a rooster to a hen." Yeah, in that movie, that was Davy Coleman. I, he's had many roles beyond that, but Dolly Parton was the correct answer. Nine to five mm-hmm. was the movie, and we had several people who knew it. So I'm just going to name a couple who said it first. Okay. Congratulations to Debbie and Robert. No relation, as far as I know. They both knew that Dolly hey. Parton's Nine to Five was the movie Dabney Coleman was in, and for that. Today is your day, the holiday season. All the blessings are going to come your way this holiday season. And uh, 2024 is going to be a richer, more prosperous year. And um, you're going to get a new car. I just oh. thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, why not? Billy's, sounds nice, doesn't it? Billy, Billy's yeah. actually footing the bill for that. He was unaware as he just gave that. <laughs> well, we'll kind of see. Billy's see actually giving that, you but... his car. <laughs> Staff at Taste of Country. He's going to turn it in for his bike. Okay, continue. Staff at TasteofCountry.com if you have any questions, comments, or corrections for the show. The three C's, as I call them. Um, No trivia this week, but we'll get back to it in 2024. Amen. Okay, let's fill people in uh, why we you might not be seeing our bright and shiny faces anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the couple of reasons I, we're going to push pause on it mostly because I think it'll work best when there's actually new episodes to talk about. I agree. Um, so we're not, it's we not thought, a no, like anyone who's hearing this, we're not saying we're getting rid of you seeing me and Billy for good. It's just like, let's just maybe marinate when, when the new season comes out. We, we hoped maybe going to YouTube video would kind of grow the audience. And what has actually happened is it's sort of split the audience, <laughs> which isn't really all that effective. Like, we're getting the same amount of people. Like we almost had half a million downloads last year, but um, we're not are not getting um, we're not finding new people on YouTube. And it's so you know, I think when there's new episodes and there's more new things to talk about, I think the, the audience that's watching uh, originally on Paramount or Paramount Plus is much more invested in this as well. Like the CBS audience isn't craving this kind of conversation on a week to week basis. Yeah, in the same sort of way. Totally. And truly, all thank you so much for all the ratings, reviews, shares, comments. Sometimes people will tweet us. I don't know. If you've seen a few of those, Billy. Um, yep. And it's always fun, even for me. Like I, I can speak for myself, and I can speak for Billy as well. It's fun. Like we both enjoy this, but it's really fun when you know we read those emails or the tweets or the comments and uh, on YouTube, and and it's fun that y'all are just as excited. So truly, thank you for all the ratings, reviews. Continue to rate, review. Share us. Um, it really does mean a lot, and it's the reason that we can keep doing this. So know that, like I've said before in an episode, I for the longest of time, when people would say that at the end of podcasts or YouTube videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, like can you stop saying that? And then I realized I was like, oh no, it actually makes a difference. <laughs> so no, I truly, helps. greatly, I really, really appreciate it. One of our comments today is from someone who tweeted at us, actually. But let's talk about um, uh, a couple of updates and some other Tar- Taylor Sheridan shows briefly first. Yeah, let's. You got that, Billy. I'm gonna give that to you. Well, 1923 is. I mean, that's the that's the what we get asked about the most, mm-hmm. and that is um, still very much an unknown on when that's returning. Uh, I'm actually leaning towards it returning after Yellowstone premieres, just kind of based on what I've seen. A little bit of a interesting. Did you know though? 
Julia Schlepfler, who plays Uh Alex on 1923, appears to be very good friends with Tim McGraw's daughter, Gracie. I kind of knew that because I think, you know, in my my, uh, social media stalking that we do every now and then, uh, they comment on each other's stuff. Or Gracie just – please hold. I think Gracie or Michelle just posted something and one of – one of them commented, and I, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, what? <laughs> Sorry, continue yeah, where you they, were headed with that. They hang out a lot together. I don't know necessarily how I'd define the relationship, but they, um, they're all over each other's Instagram page, which is super cute. Um, so, yeah, no word on 1923. Yellowstone season three last week, we left it off as um, not knowing if it was going to come to CBS Lo and behold, season three is coming to CBS, and it is a blitzkrieg of Yellowstone on CBS in January, starting January 14th. I think it's three episodes, followed by the next week is like two or three more episodes. Like within three weeks, they're going to run all 10 episodes of season three on on CBS, and they'll be done before Uh, February. If you needed something to binge, we've we've got you uh, covered. Oh, here they are. Let's see. Julia Schlepfler. Schlepfler. I don't know. Yep, that's the picture I'm talking about. They're having a little swipe through there, though. So demanding, Billy. Here's another one, everyone. Yeah, that looks to be the same one. Okay, well, I am just... Oh, we got a little kissy, kissy, kissy. What? Well, see, this is is the one I'm getting a little gossipy here. But that, that to (gasps) me, looks like... That's why I said I don't know the nature of the relationship. That looks like a pretty pretty friendly, like, like you might kiss your sister. Um, yeah, that just seems playful for me. Of course, Addison naturally yes. goes to the comment section. I, I, I would. Well. I mean, it was it was unknown. I was kind of trying yeah. to figure out what the deal was there. I don't think I'm reading into that. That just looks like a playful. Eh. No speculation there. I, I don't care yeah. either way. But it was interesting to me because I'm surely they met through Tim. Golly, how would they have met? Faith? Because Tim wasn't involved with 1923. Yeah. Like that show. But think about it. Number one, they're both in the arts. Gracie and Julia. Okay, number one. True, also, true, you, true. there's got to be. I'm not saying like a group text of all of the people who have been involved with um, Taylor Sheridan stuff, but there's got to be a lot of like overlap. Like, surely they've been to like a movie premiere or, or I don't know, just right. some type of press thing. Like, I have no doubt that they all somewhat interact uh, just because they're all under the same series. So, or uh, under, sorry, not the series. They're all under the same, just like ter- Taylor Sheridan world yeah like he throws so a, like a just a kick in halloween party every year and that's how yeah think about like that, that world is like the acting world's big but it's also really small i could say that about the music world you know where i just yeah i just think it's easy to overlap you know speaking from experience. i would never have that <laughs> i would never have those kind of friends because i i don't Allow, I never assume that anybody is like actually interested in, in like the famous people who actually want to be a friend. I just, I assume they're just always, it's always professional and transactional. So I, maybe there's been some artists in the country world who have wanted to be friends. And I think actually there legitimately question. have been like some people who have like reached out and like, Hey, let's hang, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, like you mean wait, that, are you saying like that? for you, like <laughs> being a journalist, like artist friends? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I sometimes, that's funny that you say that. I, I've, I think we've talked about that. I've recently felt like, do you want to be my friend or do you like essentially just eventually want to send me your song? Like I see the best in people until then it's <laughs> it, like burns me and I'm like, oh, okay. You just, you 
you just wanted something from me. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm fine. I'll go cry about it later. So you're saying in the yeah. acting world, you could see like, are Julie and Gracie like really just friends or do they? They probably are. I, no, no, no. I think like, they're probably really good. Addison assuming the best in people. I'm going to go with, I think they're. Yeah. Friends. No, I agree. Oh, I agree. We really rabbit holed here. <laughs> should, a little bit. Crawl out? I, I often go down the McGraw girls Instagram page because there's some really interesting stuff. The one daughter is always on piano playing like these classic yeah. country songs. Audrey. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I can never remember. Their it's names. Audrey. Yeah. Audrey. Um, yeah. So it's, the it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gracie's the oldest. You know, they're a, this, and I'm just going to say a statement and we can get back on track. They would be amazing candidates. They, I don't ever see them doing this, but a reality TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I do not see them doing that, but I would love to see, like, especially since Faith Hill isn't in the music scene anymore. You know what I mean? Like, she's not yeah. playing out new music. So she's kind of, obviously, Tim is, he is out there with all his music. He's still very much so present, but I don't know. I just think I'd, watch I'd that. love, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can I head over to comments? I think we just have one yes. today. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Everyone, take a deep breath. Let's get our uh let's get our focus fox brain on because this one's gonna take some thinking. And I'm gonna get a good <laughs> breath in because my lungs are at half capacity here. Alrighty. This is from Johnny, who says are you ready, Billy? I- I'm listening. Okay, good. Uh, do you think that Casey and John, when talking about fighting to keep the ranch, referring back to John's great-grandfather as a hint that John's great-grandfather is James Dutton, Tim McGraw, meaning that Spencer, from 1923, is John's grandfather? It's the line where, where Casey talks about fighting for the ranch to his dad, saying, your dad and his dad, and then John responds, and his dad before him. Just saying. <laughs> Short answer. If I had to bet on how the family tree plays out, I would bet that's it. I yeah, we talked about Spencer this. Mm-hmm. Is John Dutton's gra- uh, grandfather? Um, no, is John Dutton's great great grandfather? Because we've um, always discussed in 1923, we're like, was Alex pregnant? Was oh my gosh, why am I forgetting uh, Michelle Randolph's name in in the series? No, that's it. I don't remember either. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways, Michelle Randolph's character, we had wondered where obviously she miscarried, but like we see that in 1923. But we're like, maybe she gets pregnant again. Like we've always kind of wondered, like who? Yeah. Michelle Randolph is. See, that's almost looking. more plausible to me because Michelle Randolph is Tim McGraw's character's granddaughter-in-law or something like that, right? Elizabeth. Elizabeth Stratford. Elizabeth. Yes. yes. Yes, Elizabeth. I think that's um, – I, th- I think if, if I was to put money on I would say Spencer is probably John's. That's where it all stems from is Spencer, but I don't know. I don't know. But do I think that that – it was written with 1923 and that lineage in mind. <sighs> I have a hard time believing that only because <laughs> I feel like Taylor is kind of creating these things as he goes. He has, but throughout watching season one of two of Yellowstone, I've written down a number of cases where it's like, oh, 
Yeah, you that know. was a little Easter egg dropped here, and then in season four or five, or even in a different series, it sort of turns out and comes to be. So, like, he might have, at the very least, gone back to that conversation to sort of spell out the timeline. Do you remember the what I just thought about was when Alex and Spencer had the um, whiskey glasses? The, right. The, the, the they might not be whiskey. The giant. The crystal. Yeah. And then you go back to Yellowstone and. We did a whole video on that of like if that was an Easter egg because we see them in the Dutton's um, like wine bar. Yeah, I picked up on a lot of those. So I think it's possible, but that's that's a great question. And obviously right in my alley or right down my right in my wheelhouse. Uh, so Johnny was the one who actually tweeted that uh, that question as well. And then he, he followed up with an email. Thanks, Johnny. Really appreciate his um, his contribution. Anything else we have? I think we covered. It I don't all. think so. I hope everybody has a good holiday. Yeah. Happy holidays. Hopefully it's hopefully it's a good one. Holidays are always a mix of mix of emotion, but I hope that y'all have a great holiday, a restful holiday. I feel like you're you're looking to talk about something, Addison. The holiday's no, not, looking, not. You're not looking for it. It looks to me like maybe you're not looking forward to your holiday. That was a oh, heavy sigh there when it comes uh, to holiday. Let's just say Family Addison. Okay? Uh, let's just say we're not gonna deep dive into that right now, but Let's just say Addison's holiday is going to look a little different than past holidays. And as an adult, where am I trying to go with this? Um, as an adult, you just see things as they are and you're just embracing it. And you're learning how to take the role as a not a fixer. That was vague, but I gave you enough. So, <laughs> You know what I say when I things kind of go sideways and in, instead of just wallowing in the misery of it, I say... Oh. It's a growth opportunity. <laughs> Mine this year has been not my monkey, not my circus. In a healthy way of Addison's learning when I don't need to be a fixer and it's okay for other people to learn how to fix things. So not my monkey, not my okay. circus. I I do love my family, but it's just, it's sure. going to be an interesting Christmas. <laughs> Leave the guns in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. I think this is the second straight podcast episode where we've insulted family. Congrats we have, and there, and it's funny, Billy. I didn't think my mother listened to the podcast, and she did. Oh, she did. She's like, yeah, she brought up the wedding I went to in Houston. So she's like, "So, uh, I heard you and Billy say X, Y, Z." I was like, "Oh, I, I'm so appreciative that you listened to the po- <laughs> the podcast." She found it funny, but it was. I was like, "Oh, oh, you do listen to the." I'm so honored that you listen to the podcast, but you listen. My mom no. does not, so I can say whatever I wanted to. <laughs> All right, very, new podcast. We'll just discuss our our, our personal our family, problems. Our, our personal <laughs> problems, and maybe y'all can relate. No, love my family. Yeah. yeah, we're all an open book here at the Hager household, so it's all good. Good. Thanks, y'all, again for listening to the Yellowstone Dutton Rules podcast. Once again, this is another interesting and investigated invested. What? That was not English. I don't know what that is. <laughs> 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 Take a nap. Take what? I got a second try on that Investigating. One. Oh, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. So emotional over this podcast. Y'all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching. I think I'm just going to leave that there. This is another amazing Town Square Media podcast. What it's like that scene from the first car movie 
when the, the cars, the main character, has to kind of like drag the other character over the finish line to get him to finish. <laughs> That's what I feel like. I'm Lightning McQueen right now, and you're the old-timer car, and I'm just like, come on, come on, we're almost there. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.